You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Just love it. <laughs> you might love it twice as much, apparently. Oh, yes, I do. Crank it, Darren. Never is. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Yes, indeed. Stuck in the middle with you. Once again, right here on... Pacifica Radio's KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org and the radioornot.com network. Good afternoon. This is... You're Bradcast, and I am Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Here with you for the next hour for the Bradcast with a lot of breaking news. Did I say uh, swell fellow from bradblog.com? I always forget that part. That's who I am, the guy from bradblog.com. Uh, you can also find me on the Twitters throughout the hour at the Brad Blog. Love to see you there. If you got any thoughts, we've got a jam-packed show, so whether I get to the phones or not this afternoon remains to be seen because we've got a, a lot of news. We've got a lot of breaking news. Uh, we've got several guests who are going to be joining us. Uh, but first, let's get straight to this, uh, to this breaking news. Just within the last hour or two, Barack Obama, you've heard of him, President of the United States, has finally finally done the right thing he's finally come out in favor of marriage equality for all here are uh, a few of his remarks to abc news uh just within uh, last hour or two on this breaking news but i have to tell you that over the course of uh, several years as i talk to friends and family and neighbors uh, when i think about uh members of my own staff who are in incredibly committed monogamous relationships, same-sex relationships, who are raising kids together. Uh, when I think about uh, those soldiers or airmen or Marines or uh, sailors who are out there fighting on my behalf uh, and yet feel constrained, even now that Don't Ask, Don't Tell is gone because uh, they're not able to uh, commit themselves in a marriage. Uh, at a certain point, I've just concluded that, um, for me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. It's important that same-sex couples should be able to get married. That was President Barack Obama within the last uh, couple of hours, finally doing the right thing. Took him long enough. Uh, I guess we must be in an election year. Uh, but in any case, uh, glad he did the right thing, particularly with the setback for, uh, for equal rights yesterday. Actually, I should say, uh, on Tuesday. Oh, that is yesterday. Tuesday in North Carolina, where once again we see what happens when you put up minority rights for a majority vote in North Carolina. They voted down, 
Uh, well, they voted in favor of a ban on same-sex marriage, uh, a ban on marriage equality. Yes, that's what happens when you put up minority rights onto the ballot, when you vote on civil rights and human rights. Imagine what they would have done in the South had uh, had they decided to vote on slavery. So anyway, uh, glad to hear that Barack Obama has finally gotten his act together. Uh, it, once again, proving, by the way, that politicians do not lead. Politicians follow. They follow you. They follow all of you folks out there who have been fighting for rights, who have been fighting for equality, fighting for the right thing. Finally, Barack Obama has decided to uh, follow your lead and support marriage equality. Much more on that, no doubt, tonight on the KPFK Evening News. But that, uh, that, uh, is, is right now about the horse race, I suspect, and in his race against Mitt Romney, who is incredibly enough taking credit for everything, and I'm really angry at Mitt Romney because as everyone knows, uh, it was me. I saved the auto industry. I don't understand, uh, why Mitt Romney is now coming along and saying, uh, Darren, you got that Mitt Romney, uh, clip right now? He's, he says that uh, he's the guy who saved the auto industry. I'll take a lot of credit uh, for the fact that, uh, that this industry has come back. Yes. Mitt Romney, who called for bankruptcy, who said, let Detroit go bankrupt. He's now taking credit for the, uh, for the auto industry uh, bouncing back. Really, though, it was me. I'll take credit. I'll take credit for the fact that the industry has come back. Don't let Mitt Romney take that joy from me. Uh, anyway, that's all horse race stuff. Let's take a look, as usual, as we do, at the track conditions, the track con- conditions that are going to have as much uh, uh, to say about who wins and loses this November as anything else. And once again, we've got some, uh, some breaking news. Actually, let me give you two pieces. Before I get to the big uh, breaking news and our guest momentarily, uh, I should note that currently underway in Anchorage, Alaska, in an election that we have uh, been talking about at bradblog.com that I've talked a little bit about on this show, uh, where once again, uh, they had put equal rights up on the ballot, a measure to, uh, extend, uh, uh, discrimination, uh, protection for, uh, for the LGBT community. That ballot measure was supposed to pass in Anchorage, according to the pre-election polls, by nine points. This is a recent election up in Anchorage, and yet it lost by 17 points. We're talking about a 25-point swing. Nobody knows why it uh, it happened. They've got paper ballots up there, but those paper ballots are counted by Diebold optical scan machines. So the good folks up there in Anchorage have called for a hand count at least of 15 precincts. That's all they're able to afford. They're making them actually pay for this hand count. It got underway today. Uh, that's uh, the good news. We're now beginning to get the numbers uh, and some pretty large disparities uh, between what the computer uh, results showed, the Diebold optical scan results showed, and what the hand count actually found. Uh, in one case, I'm looking at uh, uh, one precinct here. looks like about 150 votes off. Uh, that the machines just failed to count entirely and... Also, this breaking news up in Alaska, the uh, the deputy municipal clerk up there, the one who said that she was not concerned about broken security seals on those Diebold optical scan machines, she has now, I've just heard in the last few minutes, been fired. 
up there. So good. Some accountability where citizens are standing up. Meanwhile, let's move down to California where we once again have thousands and thousands of apparently fraudulent uh, voter registration forms being turned in up in Sacramento. Some uh, 7,500 Let's call them questionable uh, voter registrations for the moment. Suspicious registrations is what News 10, the uh, ABC News affiliate up in Sacramento, uh, called them. Yes, we've seen this time and time again, thousands of uh, fraudulent registrations being turned in by these dastardly, devious voter registration organizations. Yes, ACORN is at it again. Gaming our... Oh, wait, what? No? The what? This wasn't ACORN? What? This was a uh, Republican uh, voter registration firm? Fancy that. Momentum Political Services is the name of this firm. They were hired by the Republican Party of Sacramento County. And it appears now that some 25% of the registration forms they've been turning in to the Sacramento Registrar of Voters are fraudulent, irregular, suspicious, whatever you want to call them. Well, let's find out what to call them. We're joined right now by Jill Levine. She's the Registrar of Voters up in Sacramento County, and uh, she joins us live on KPFK's The Bradcast. Hey, Jill, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm here. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your day here. This is an amazing story to me because uh, it's been breaking over the last few days. Had this been an acorn story, I would have seen uh, hundreds if not thousands of hits on uh, on Google and, and Yahoo about this. And yet, this story concerning a Republican firm that hired this group, uh, Momentum Political Services, I think there's maybe three or four hits on all of Google News and Brad Blog, I think, is two of them. So, uh, Jill Levine, how did you spot these problems uh, with these uh, suspicious voter registration cards coming in from this firm initially? Well, uh, actually, it's the staff. The staff is so used to looking at these cards and reading Mm -hmm. them, you know, kind of give them the first glance before they're entered that they they notice the irregularities and they go, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. And so it's my staff, my eagle-eyed staff that does the hardest work I think and and what kind of uh, problems were they seeing with these registration forms uh, well of course we have the extremely sloppy handwriting and uh, things such as uh, the same social security number being used on multiple cards and we only ask for the last four digits mm-hmm. um, street addresses that do not exist um, and it's not uncommon to get like a transposed number in a street address. Mm-hmm. But these numbers just didn't even exist. The streets don't exist within the city that they're giving us. Street names yeah. that don't even exist. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So those types of things, it's like, oh, we already know that that doesn't work. So uh-huh. it's a first glance overall view, and it's like, ah, oh, this isn't working here. So. And then you found, it seems, uh, something potentially even more troubling uh, above and beyond the fake addresses and, and fake voter names and, and so forth. Uh, party affiliations that uh, seem to have been changed by someone, uh, either from Democratic to Republican, or, or they, they just filled it in on their own for Republican? And yeah, that's really hard to tell who filled it in, but definitely we double-checked the color of ink. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think that's a minor thing, but uh, if the circulator has black ink and the party's filled in with black ink, mm-hmm. and yet the voters filled in everything else in blue ink, it does ask a question of who did what. 
And so, you know, we always encourage the voter to do as much as possible on the card. You know, they know how to spell their name. They know what party they want. Mm -hmm. Let the voter do it. But the uh, circulator does do a lot of that work, and with it, we get a lot of, like I say, bad information. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, can you tell in a case like this if it's intentional, or is this just a question of the circulator you know, asking somebody for this information, writing it down incorrectly. In other words, can you tell if this is uh, intentionally gaming these registrations or is this purposeful fraud as far as you can tell? Well, sometimes, you know, it's, it it leads it to that suspicion. And so that's when we stop and say, okay, we're going to call or talk to the voter to verify. Mm-hmm. And so we try to make every contact with the voter. Um the other things that we see is like the box is being crossed out and then another box checked for a party. And it's, you know, can go either way or whatever way they're gathering at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, with that, we also send a letter. We, we just don't, we, they don't even get entered into our system until we've contacted the voter and said, look, you've, you know, according to your card, you've checked two parties. We don't know which one for sure you want and we're not going to trust, you know, like initial, you know, or crossed off, early crossed off. It's like, no. We want to make sure you, the voter, have checked the right box. So, and with that, we send like a voter notification card out after, if, if we get that far, uh-huh. and we ask the voter to verify. Please verify that, you know, we've spelled your name right, that we've got the right apartment number or whatever, and make sure your party is correct. So we notify the voter of any changes, and we ask them to verify. And so quite often we'll get information back from that avenue also. And indeed, uh, some of these voters that you contacted, uh, according to the uh, News 10 report up there in Sacramento, were stunned to learn that they had been registered as uh, as Democrats, I'm sorry, as Republicans, uh, when they either had already themselves uh, specified Democratic or hadn't even been asked about this uh, uh, by the uh, by the registration workers, correct? That is correct. But, you know, the voters got to take is like review the card, voter, mm-hmm. before it's turned in, or else voter take the card and mail it in yourself. But of course, that's not the plan of the circulator. The circulator will only get money if it is turned in by them. Ah, and there's the rub. It seems that the Republican Party was paying anywhere be- between 5 and $12 per registration. And uh, while I think that's uh, still legal here in, uh, in California to actually pay per registration, uh, do you know Jill Levine, speaking with Jill Levine, Registrar of Voters in Sacramento County, uh, Jill, is it uh, legal to pay only for, let's say, Republican registrations or only for Democratic registrations when these groups, like the Republican Party in this case, hires a group like po- uh, uh, Momentum Political Services? Um, and I think it's the agreement they have with Momentum or mm-hmm. with that petition company or circulation company. Mm-hmm. And um, for they only get paid the set amount bounty if they bring in, of course, the card that is specified, uh, of the party that is specified. But uh, I'm sure they get there. I know that in other certain circumstances, they also get paid maybe a lesser amount for anything else they bring in. Which, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, I know that a lot of people, I know I've heard Republicans claiming this is a horrible thing, uh, paying bounties for, uh, voter registrations like this. I, you know, I'm not so much uh, troubled by, uh, paying per registration. It does lead, uh, it seems to fraudulent regis- registrations and a lot of work for you guys, but the notion that, uh, they would pay more 
for a registration of one party versus another. That seems to me to be troubling. Uh, Jill Levine, have you seen this sort of thing happen before? And uh, at least uh, to this extent, we're talking about thousands and thousands, uh, according to the uh, Sacramento Bee, uh, some 7,500 fraudulent or, or invalid registrations so far. Oh, that's a quite a big number. I don't think, we, you know, it's really hard to tell until we hear back from the voter, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like I said, we catch so much of it before it even gets into our system. It's like if there's even anything questionable, it's like we stop right there and, you know, try, try to contact the voter. So to make sure that we've got it correct. We don't want Election Day to have problems. So mm-hmm. the best thing is to catch it before it even gets into all the way into our system. And so. now Republicans use have been using exam. And I should say, by the way, because I keep talking about Republicans here, my coverage, and I don't know, uh, Jill Levine, how much you know the work that I do at bradblog.com. Uh, when it comes to my coverage of elections, I'm nonpartisan. And I'll stand up for Republicans, Democrats, independents, anybody else. But it has been. Uh, the other side of that is I will call out those folks who seem to be gaming the system. And it seems clear to me that this year Republicans across the country have been passing these photo ID uh, restrictions, these polling place photo ID restrictions, and they're pointing to things like acorn workers who have turned in uh, uh, fraudulent registrations over the years, uh, even though none of those fraudulent registrations, to my knowledge, has ever resulted in a vote at the polling place, which is what these photo ID restrictions are meant to stop, uh, in-person uh, impersonation at the polling place. Uh, have you seen in-person impersonation at your polling place up there in Sacramento? Do you have a concern that these registrations, these fraudulent reg- registrations that come in from any group, could result in uh, a fraudulent vote being cast at the polling place? Uh, like I say, we try to catch it right in the beginning of mm-hmm. anything suspicious, and then we mail out a card and ask the voter to please verify their information. So at that point, it's you know we need the voter's assistance here too, mm-hmm. to make sure it stays as clean as possible. But but do you have any instances uh, that you know of of in-person uh, impersonation happening at the polling place? Because that's what the Republicans are now claiming is the reason why. Uh, photo ID. Actually, they're not claiming that's the reason. They're claiming the reason has, you know, to do with absentee fraud or voter registration fraud. But again, the only thing photo ID stops is in-person fraud. So have you come in, in your uh, period of time as the registrar of voters in Sacramento, uh, have you seen uh, a great number of people trying to impersonate someone else at the polling place or coming in and, and voting under one of these fraudulent registrations to your knowledge? To my knowledge, no. I have not. And how long have you been the registrar of voters up there? Uh, uh, nine years. Nine years. Okay. Now, you have passed on uh, these uh, bad registration cards to the Secretary of State's Election Fraud Unit uh, to investigate. What are they now telling you about these uh, bad cards from the Secretary of State? Well, they said they've opened the case, and mm-hmm. since they've opened it, they are not able to give me a lot of information, which is fine. You know, they're doing some investigation now. But, uh, yeah, we did give them as much as we could, mm-hmm. and uh, we went from there. We had a nice meeting with them. And is this Momentum Political Services still uh, turning in registrations at this time? Uh, yes, they are. Okay. Uh, and have have their uh, cards, have their registration cards improved since some of this has uh, broken into the news up there in Sacramento, if nowhere else? Uh, yes, they have improved. Good. 
I'm glad to hear it because this is actually part of a pattern, and I'm not going to, I know you're busy today, uh, Jill Levine, so I'm not going to hold you up, but this is a part of a pattern in California with the Republican Party where we have seen this year after year where the firms that they hire turn in fraudulent registration cards. I'm going to go through a little bit of that, uh, right now, but I will let you go, uh, Jill Levine. I appreciate your, uh, your work here. Oh, what is, by the way, the deadline? Uh, for California voter, uh, voters to register before the, what do we have, June 5th registration coming, uh, uh, June 5th primary coming up, and then the November elections. Uh, what are the deadlines there for legitimate registrations to happen? We want you registered. Uh, the deadline is May 21st. Uh, oh, May tw- you can register as late as May 21st for the June 5th election. Correct. Okay, great. Yeah. And uh, do you remember what it is for the November election? Uh, no, I only did. <laughs> one, my, my brain can only handle one election at a time. One election. Okay, I understand. By the way, uh, uh, Jill, what what sort of uh, voting systems do you guys use up? Uh, uh, Counting tabulation systems do you guys use up there? We use an optical scan voting system from ES&S, mm-hmm. and we will be counting uh, ballots in the precinct and ballots here in the office. And uh, do you guys do a post-election hand count of any of those ballots? Yes, we do. A one percent. One percent. I'd feel more comfortable if you did more, but one fight at a time, I suppose. Uh, Jill Levine, I really do appreciate your time here. Uh, Jill Levine, Registrar of Voters in Sacramento County. Uh, I suspect I'll be staying in touch as this story moves forward. Uh, thanks a bunch for uh, for keeping uh, keeping your eye out against these uh, against these bad guys up there in Sacramento. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Jill Levine. All right, uh, I, I've got another word or two to say on this because I do want to give you some of the history uh, of this mess in in uh, in California and around the country. I should also note, by the way, we'll be speaking uh, in a little bit with Brad Jacobson uh, of Alternate about uh, new worries at Fukushima. Is the worst yet to come? Why nuclear experts are calling Fukushima a ticking time bomb. A very disturbing story from uh, Brad Jacobson. I'm, of course, Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. So as everyone knows, we have nothing but Brads on this show. And, uh, yes, Brad will be joining us. Brad Jacobson will be joining us uh, after the bottom of the hour, as will Desi Doyen with some uh, green news. Uh, but I want to just run very quickly because, you know, it, as I said, it is amazing to me this has not been covered, uh, you know, of course, on the right-wing blogs. Of course, James O'Keefe, the Internet uh, hoaxer, the acorn uh, phony pimp, he hasn't said a word about thousands and thousands of registration forms being turned in fraudulent registration forms being turned in up there in Sacramento. And, of course, he hadn't said anything about the same thing happening year after year after year here in California and elsewhere where the Republican Party has actually hired these groups who ended up committing voter registration fraud. Contrast that, by the way, with ACORN, who was not hired by the Democratic Party, who went out and did this on their own, who had workers who defrauded them, they don't pay bounties to their workers for these registrations. Yet some of these workers did this on their own, defrauded Acorn, and it was Acorn themselves who noticed the fraud, who verified each and every one of these registration forms, and notified the election officials about it. So this is completely different. This is far worse than anything Acorn was ever accused of. This is the Republican Party directly, and the firms that they hire submitting phony registrations. Uh, 
Now, this has happened year after year after year. This happened back in 2008 when a firm by the name of Young Political Majors turned in some 75,000 fraudulent registrations where they had been uh, changing registrations from Democratic to Republican again and paying for it. And it would not have even made the news, I suspect. It certainly wouldn't have made Fox News uh, except for the fact that I happened to be going on the air on Fox News to speak with that uh, voter fraud fraudster John Fund about, I don't know, something or other in the days just before the 2008 election when Fox News was going uh, acorn crazy, pretending that acorn was committing voter fraud when they weren't, when there has never been a single case of voter fraud uh, uh, committed by uh, vis-a-vis a bad registration from an acorn worker yet uh, you know they were going around the clock in 2008 you remember it john mccain was out there uh what did john mccain say what's that quote he said that uh what acorn was doing was one of the greatest frauds in voter history in this country he said it was destroying the fabric of democracy of course he was making it up because he was following along with Fox News where they were reporting these lies. So, as it turns out, I happened to be on my way to Fox News when news broke back in 2008 about this firm, Young Political Majors, hired by the California Republican Party to do their voter registration effort out here in California. As I was on my way to the studio, I got a breaking, uh, I got a, a news alert from the Secretary of State, an announcement about the fact that the guy who ran this firm had been arrested. And so luckily, because I was on Fox News that day, we were able to report that story. I was able to give, yes, a Fox News alert live on Fox News. This was, uh, we have this, uh, we have just a piece of this here from uh, uh, September, uh, I'm sorry, October 19, 2008. Here I am giving some actual news on Fox News. And we're seeing tactics now where, you know, they're, they're using these code words socialist, that Obama's a socialist, which is a, you know, a code word for communist. We're seeing uh, uh, that he's a terrorist. All sorts of scare effects that uh, won't work uh, this year as long, again, as long as the voters are able to vote. And by the way, I have a, a bit of a Fox News alert for you on that topic on the way over here. The uh, head of the California GOP voter registration outfit has been arrested for voter registration fraud himself. This is the group that has uh, been alleged to have changed uh, up to uh, 75,000 voter registrations from Democratic to Republican, and he has been arrested today. I hope you guys will carry that as much as y'all are carrying this uh, phony acorn voter fraud hoax that's going on. All right, well, we will look into that, and our assignment desk is looking into it as we speak, and of course, if it is a fact, then we will report it. Yes, if it is a fact, they will report it. Uh, of course, they were forced to report it because I showed up on their airwaves at Fox News uh, to give that Fox News alert. They did end up running it for a few minutes along the crawl that afternoon, we noticed. Then it disappeared. Then they went back to Acorn. And now, here we are in 2012, and they are pretending that Acorn is still out committing voter fraud. Apparently, uh, zombie Acorn. Because Acorn has been shut down thanks to the uh, phony campaign that was run against them, thanks to the Democrats and Barack Obama uh, f- rolling over and allowing that phony campaign to work uh, instead of standing up for this four-decade-old uh, uh, community organization fighting 
for voting rights, signing up millions of voters legally to vote. At the same time, the actual California Republican Party has been turning in fraudulent registrations. They've done it again this year. In the past, they've turned in some 60% of the registrations turned in were fraudulent. Again, contrast that with ACORN, uh, 1% fraudulent uh, uh, rate that they themselves found out and turned in to officials. In 2006, another firm hired by the California Republican Party turned in thousands of registration forms with fake names and, as I say, an error rate as high as 60%. That same uh, group uh, also worked in 2004, was found to have shredded Democratic registrations, and then John McCain actually hired them in 2008, paid them, what's the number here that I have, Uh, paid them some... Mm-mm-mm. I think it was $175,000. Uh, I can't find the number here. Uh, by the way, the Sacramento County Republican Party paid 49000 to Momentum Political Services for these fraudulent uh, registrations. Here we go. John McCain's campaign has directed $175,000 to the firm of a Republican operative accused of massive voter registration fraud in several states. That firm was named Sproul & Associates in 2004, headed by a GOP donor named Nathan Sproul. They changed their name to uh, Lincoln Strategy in 2008, and they were hired by the Republican Party, who, of course has been lying about all of this to keep you from voting. One more idea here related before we uh, before we go to our break. Newt Gingrich turned in some 1,500 fraudulent signatures in his attempt to get on the ballot in uh, Virginia in the primaries this year. It was uh, a failed attempt to get on the primary ballot in uh, in Virginia, in no small part because of these fifteen fraudulent uh, 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 fifteen hundred fraudulent signatures. We've got uh, audio of Newt Gingrich actually admitting to that fraud, calling it just a mistake. It's a little bit difficult to hear, but uh, let's give it a try. Newt Gingrich just uh, at the end of last year admitting to the fraud of uh, thousands of signatures by his own campaign. Just a mistake. We hired somebody who turned in false signatures. We turned in 11,100. It was just a mistake, says Newt Gingrich. We turned in 11,100. We needed 10,000. 1,500 of them were by one guy who, frankly, committed fraud, said Newt Gingrich, caught on videotape there on CNN, admitting that someone he says was hired by his campaign. I guess one guy hire, uh, assigned 15. Hundred fraudulent signatures? Did Newt Gingrich turn in his name to officials? No, apparently not. The same Newt Gingrich who in 2009 wrote an op-ed claiming that ACORN has a long history of engaging in voter fraud. Of course, they do not. Unless you want to commit, uh, unless you want to uh, call fraudulent signatures voter fraud, in which case Newt Gingrich just committed 1,500 acts of it. As we reported at Bradblog.com some weeks ago in an exclusive, the state attorney general in Virginia is now investigating that fraud by the uh, Gingrich campaign or whoever it is they hired. 
But when Republicans do it, apparently it's just a mistake. They just hired someone who turned in false signatures. When a handful of folks do it uh, from Acorn, it's Barack Obama stealing an election. So, it all begs the question, at what point, after how many years of the Republicans hiring firms who turn in false signatures again and again and again, is it no longer seen as just a mistake, as Newt Gingrich called it, but rather a key campaign strategy for the Republican Party? What is wrong? And the evidence is clear. I am not alone. There are thousands of us here. This is my democracy. You won't go telling me. My vote don't matter anymore. No, you won't. And it's not worth fighting. Fighting for your vote, fighting for the Republicans' vote, fighting for independent votes. I don't care. If you want to vote, I think you ought to be able to vote, and your vote ought to be counted and counted accurately. We'll continue that fight right here on the broadcast. But first, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back with some Green News Report. The lovely Desi Doyen just off her hosting stint at the Young Turks today. She's here in time to join us. And Brad Jacobson of Alternet. <sighs> on new worries and the ticking time bomb at the Fukushima nuclear plant. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the broadcast on KPFK. Stay with us. This is Lisa Gar inviting you to join me every Wednesday and Thursday at 1 o'clock for The Aware Show as we continue to bring you cutting-edge interviews about health, spirituality, and self-awareness. That's every Wednesday and Thursday, 1 o'clock on The Aware Show. Hello, my dear KPFK listener. This is Brother Cornell West. And I'm Tavis Smiley. Join us each week on our new program, Smiley and West. It's Gary Smith. Brother West is what I wanted to talk about. I don't think the gods have much to do with it. If anything, the god of imperialism, the god of colonialism, all of that. Smiley <laughs> <laughs> and West, Saturdays at 11 a.m. here at KPFK Los Angeles. It's not easy being green. It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things. And people tend to pass you over because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles in the water or stars in the sky. Oh, yes. She is standing out like flashy sparkles in the water and stars in the sky. Yes. That can only mean one thing. Desi, jo- Desi Doyen is joining us for the Green News. Welcome back. This is your broadcast on KPFK. Uh, Des, I didn't even know you were going to be here today. I know. I made it back in record time. You did make it back from where? The Young Turks. What What were you doing at the Young Turks? I was helping to co-host their online web newscast. You weren't helping to co-host. I was. You co-hosting. were actually co-hosting. <laughs> right. Just to correct you, and and you looked great. I got to see uh, 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 most of it before I had a rush over here. That's Desi Doyne, of course. She is my. Uh, 
uh, co-host on the Green News Report, uh, heard on fine progressive radio stations around the country. She is the managing editor of that and uh, also our producer here at the broadcast, uh, as long as I can keep her, because uh, clearly uh, the Young Turks is angling for you. They're going to snatch you away. Well, we'll see what happens. But, yes, you can always check out all of our archives on greennews.bradblog.com and follow us at Green News Report on the Twitters. And since I didn't know you were going to be here, I'm going to not talk to you very much. Okay. Because I've got to go to the Green News Report because Brad Jacobson is going to join us uh, momentarily uh, to discuss uh, the, the ticking time bomb that is... The Fukushima plant, specifically uh, uh, reactor number four and the spent fuel pools there. So we're going to have more information on that momentarily with Brad Jacobson. We're going to get to the green news. Oh, but one thing I want to point out, uh, the last 12-month period has been the warmest on record in the United States. In the United States. Uh, this is according to Jeff Masters, the co-founder of Weather Underground uh, who who used to fly, by the way, I didn't know this, with the NOAA Hurricane Hunters. Yes, for so years. NOAA put that out yesterday. But, yeah. Last 12 months in the United States, hottest 12 months on record since record-keeping began 117 years ago. 18 since 1895. Other than that, nothing to worry about, people. What global warming? All right, let's get to the Green News Report, and then we'll be back with uh, Brad Jacobson to follow up on something we're talking about in today's Green News Report. The biggest deterrent to an energy plan in America is Coke industry. Billionaire Codger Cage Match, T. Boone Pickens, picks on the Coke brothers. We take the long-term view. We have to take the long-term view in everything we do. The military arms for global warming. After today, we will have zero nuclear plants. Japan, now nuclear-free, but not worry-free. Plus, billboard blowback. Funders flee from Heartland Institute's Unabomber billboard blunder. Indeed they do. All of that and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comments. According to a new study, dinosaur farts may have caused prehistoric global warming. You know what they say, he who stinked it is extinct. Or something like that. This is your Green News Report. Really, Des? Dinosaur (laughs) farts? That's how we need to start off a uh, serious news program. Well, you know, if it's true, it's true. Uh A new study does indeed estimate that dinosaur flatulence influenced global warming. That's the burps and farts of hundreds of millions of giant plant-eating dinosaurs over millions of years, adding a significant amount of methane to the atmosphere. And, of course, they had to make huge assumptions and guesses in their calculations, since, of course, there is no way to directly measure dino farts. I will just bite my tongue at this point, since I know you have a lot of news. Uh, straight ahead. Thank you. You're welcome. When the polar cap is melting, we now have problems with regards to who claims the area in the polar region. Climate change impacts U.S. national security. That was the message in a speech from Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta recently to a gathering of environmental and security experts hosted by the Environmental Defense Fund. In what the Pentagon called an unprecedented speech, Panetta warned that climate change and energy shortages could destabilize entire nations. But the U.S. military is planning ahead. We are going to be investing more than a billion dollars in more efficient aircraft and aircraft engines, in hybrid electric drives for our ships in improved generators, in microgrids for combat bases, and combat vehicle energy-efficient programs. 
and we are using them as a test bed to demonstrate next generation energy technologies. Sounds like there's no debate among those pinko lefty commies at the U.S. Uh, Department of Defense when it comes to global warming. That is correct. And following Secretary Panetta, Secretary of the Navy, Ray Mabus, emphasized the costs of the military's reliance on fossil fuels in human life. According to Secretary Mabus, the military loses one soldier for every 50 fuel delivery convoys in war zones. So the Navy is using its purchasing power to take the lead in developing alternative energy, essentially beta testing these innovations before they move into the consumer market. That's what we've got to do with energy. We can bring the market. Billboard blowback. The right-wing think tank, the Heartland Institute, is still reeling after several major companies dropped funding of them in response to their ill-advised billboard on a Chicago highway last Friday, comparing all those who accept the science of climate change with the infamous serial killer, the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski. Heartland canceled the billboard campaign almost immediately after prominent deniers like Wisconsin Republican Representative James Sensenbrenner threatened to cancel his appearance at their upcoming climate change denial conference. So even their friends were against this idea. And by the way, it wasn't just uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber. They were also uh, preparing billboards uh, to compare environmentalists to Osama bin Laden, to Charlie Manson. That's the kind of creeps these folks are, these deniers at the Heartland Institute. And notably, Heartland did not apologize to others who accept the scientific evidence, like the Pope, the Dalai Lama, the global scientific community, the U.S. military, or the majority of Americans. Billionaire codger cage match. The biggest deterrent to an energy plan in America is Coke industry. Billionaire oil man T. Boone Pickens slammed the billionaire Coke brothers for using their millions as the major obstacle to developing a coherent long-term energy policy in the U.S. They do not want an energy plan for America, so their margins are huge, and they do not want you to have an energy plan. Once again, no lefty commie pinko T. Boone Pickens slamming the Koch brothers for what they're trying to do to increase their bottom line at the expense of everyone in the world. Meanwhile, in Japan... Thousands marched to celebrate Japan becoming nuclear-free for the first time in over 40 years. The last of Japan's 50 remaining functional reactors was shut down over the weekend for scheduled maintenance, while much of the population is calling for permanent closure in response to the triple meltdown at the Fukushima nuclear power plant last year. Japan may be nuke-free for the moment, but I know they're not worry-free. There have been quite a few reports about that spent fuel pool still sitting there at Fukushima. Unprotected from any future earthquakes or tsunamis. Indeed. If they get hit again, it could be a worst-case scenario. I know a lot of people are justifiably concerned about that. We'll keep our eyes on it. For more on all of these stories and the ones we didn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. And follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Uh-huh. Referencing back to those dinosaur farts, dinosaur are you? I, me? I don't know. Anyway, nice job, uh, Desi Doyen. Good Thank report. You. Uh, a lot of uh, disturbing stuff in there, and we're going to talk about some of that disturbing stuff 
momentarily here with Brad Jacobs. And actually, let's uh, let's get right to it. Brad is uh, on the line. As everyone knows, we only have people named Brad here on the Bradcast. So Brad Jacobson is a Brooklyn-based freelance journalist and a contributing reporter for Alternet. He's, his reporting has also appeared in The Atlantic, Columbia Journalism Review, Billboard, and other publications. Other publications, by the way, such as bradblog.com, as I recall. I believe uh, Brad has uh, guest blogged over uh, for us a few times over the years. His new story, The Worst Yet to Come, Why Nuclear Experts Are Calling Fukushima a Ticking Time Bomb, starts this way. More than a year after the triple meltdown at the Fukushima Daiichi power plant, the Japanese government, Tokyo uh, Tokyo Electric Power Company, TEPCO, and the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission, the NRC, present similar assurances of the site's current state. Challenges remain, they say, but everything is under control. The worst is over. But nuclear waste experts say the Japanese are literally playing with fire in the way nuclear spent fuel continues to be stored on site, especially in Reactor 4, which contains the most irradiated fuel, ten times the deadly cesium-137 released during the 1986 Chernobyl nuclear accident. These experts also charge that the NRC is letting this threat fester because acknowledging it would call into question safety at dozens of identically designed nuclear power plants around the U.S., which contain exceedingly higher volumes of spent fuel in similar elevated pools outside of reinforced containment. That's the beginning of this startling report from Brad Jacobson over at Alternate. Brad joins us now. Hey, Brad, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hey, sir. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure uh, to be here. G- g- glad you could be here. This is uh, kind of a terrifying report. Nice job, Brad. I'm not easily scared, but you've done the done the job. Uh, these experts you talk to about what is going on with this uh, uh, spent fuel pool at nu- at uh, Reactor 4, these aren't sort of fringe anti-nuke activists, uh, you know, who are express- expressing concern here, right? These are some... Uh, pretty serious nuclear engineers and experts, are they not? Uh, absolutely. I mean, what the, the premier person, the go, one of the go-to people in the article is Robert Alvarez, mm-hmm. who was the senior advisor to the Secretary of Energy for some years in the Clinton administration. Uh, and he's this is one particular area of his specialty uh, he specializes in. Uh, so he he worked on this while he was in the Clinton administration and uh, has been following this afterwards and. Uh, you know, he uh, he's been concerned about this for many years, and right now the situation over at Fukushima is um, is something that, relatively speaking, could happen at 31 reactors here in the U.S., which have the same Mark One or Mark Two designs. Mm-hmm. That are used at uh, Fukushima Daiichi. And uh, Senator Ron Wyden was similarly alarmed about what he saw uh, when he uh, recently toured uh, the Fukushima, Fukushima Daiichi uh, power plant. Uh, he's a member of the a senior member of the U.S. Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources. He believes the situation there is quote worse than resp- reported, with quote spent fuel rods currently being stored in unsound structures immediately adjacent to the ocean. He's talking about those spent fuel pools in reactor number four. Brad Jacobson explained to us the precarious uh, position that this uh, pool of uh, fuel rods is now in at Fukushima. This is remarkable. Sure. Well, the other thing he observed, first of all, was that it's 
it's uh, the only protection that he observed in a press release that said from a future tsunami is a makeshift seawall erected out of bags of rock. That's the quote from his press release. Yep. Uh, but the the actual the whole situation there is so precarious. First of all, it's ironic that reactor number four. Uh, as opposed to one through three, where the meltdowns occurred, reactor mm-hmm. number four is not in operation. The nuclear core was not in operation when the tsunami hit, but it had just uploaded, spent, or, or radiated fuel, very highly radioactive fuel. And in these designs, in all of them, uh, the fuel is is located in these spent fuel pools, which are elevated about a hundred feet off the ground, and they're outside. In this fantastic design, they're located outside of the main reinforced containment that contains the the core. So what happened was during the tsunami, the uh, in the early days after the tsunami hit, there was a hydrogen explosion that blew the roof off. So mm-hmm. not only is this uh, structure not that sound that's surrounding uh, the spent fuel, but the structure, the the top part was completely blown off, and it sent the building into a list. So it is completely exposed to the elements. And as you mentioned at the beginning um, from the article, uh, just that reactor four contains uh, the, ten times the amount of cesium, which is a highly uh, radioactive, uh, pervasive, volatile uh, kind of isotope that was released during Chernobyl in 1986. And so let me just uh, sort of repeat that to, to make sure that people understand that. We were talking about uh, uh, reactors 1 through 3. They were actually operational uh, on March 11, 2011, when the earthquake and the uh, and the tsunami hit. Uh, and, and they got most of the attention because they were up and running and, and trying to power them down uh, when they had no power, uh, no water. Uh, that's where a lot of the attention went. But uh, there was also reactors 4, 5, and 6. 5 and 6 had been shut down for a while for maintenance, as had 4, but 4 had recently been shut down and had some uh, pretty fresh uh, 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 nuclear uranium tubes in this pool of water. The pool of water, Brad Jacobson, you say it's not in the protected unit that they would that the rods would otherwise be in if they were in the reactor. They're sort of sitting outside the hardened unit, uh, sort of up there, a hundred feet up in the air, in a tub. Literally, this is, we're talking about a bathtub full of water with these nuclear rods in them. Correct? Uh, basically correct. Yeah, it's, it's it's roughly you know it's a big bathtub. It's, right. Uh, it's supposed to be roughly forty <clears throat> feet deep. Um, but it has no lid on it. It has no concrete or steel casing. Uh, it's, it's sort of an open tub of water with the rods stored in it, 100 feet up, in a building that now has no roof at all. Uh, didn't have much of a roof to begin with. It's built sort of like a Walmart, but uh, as you describe it in your article, Brad. But the roof's blown off. Now the building is sort of leaning to the side, and you've got this pool of radioactive rods sort of suspended 100 feet up in the air. That is the dire situation. And, you know, some other aspects of this are that, uh, you know, the NRC says that TEPCO and the Japanese government say that the building was, you know, that was sent into a list, Mm -hmm. this reactor 4, that it's been restabilized. But, you know, it's been restabilized in the sense that I think they've, they uh, put some structure up to to prevent the list from completely collapsing. But as the experts that I spoke with pointed out, the whole structure is still unsound. It is not as sound as it was originally meant to be built uh, for. And regardless, it's even if it were 
even if it were sound, as, as Robert Alvarez points out, it still doesn't take away the fact that it's in this precarious nature anyway. It's, it's sitting there totally exposed to the elements. Um, the other thing is that, uh, you know, which is, this mirrors the same problem with these type of designs here in the U.S., mm-hmm. which is there's no instrumentation in these GE Mark I and Mark II boiling water reactors to tell you there's no built-in in- instrumentation on the spent fuel pools to tell you what the pressure, what the to gauge the radiation, the temperature, uh-huh. or the pressure levels. So that's why there was a helicopter flying over in early days to see to see if there's any water in reactor four. And the thing is, similarly at Chernobyl, the people, the poor guys who were up there in a the helicopter looking at this, I mean, they experienced the doses of radiation that uh, you know experts said also will probably cause them to have an early life. And, and it's because these uh, fuel pools, when they were when, when they were originally designed, they weren't meant to be permanent storage for these rods, right? They were for uh, taking rods out of the reactor and then transferring them to some permanent storage unit for spent uh, fuel rods that apparently does not exist. Whether it's in, uh, it certainly doesn't exist here in the U.S., where these similar models of nuclear plants have been storing these rods now for decades with nowhere to store them, and they're filling up their spent fuel pools that are supposed to be temporary with even more rods than are currently uh, endangering the Fukushima plant, correct? There is a, correct. There is a massive amount of spent fuel which dwarfs anywhere in the world here in the U.S. uh, in in, in these spent fuel pools. Uh, Early on, there was going to be reprocessing, but Mm -hmm. once once that fell through, it didn't take a foothold in this country. Uh, in the early 1980s, the NRC decided that the nuclear industry was then allowed to use these high-density pools. And in all these pools were never built for to hold more than a quarter or a fifth of what they hold, but yet they allowed that, and then eventually they were going to maybe bring it, uh, deposit it into, uh, was it Yucca Mountain? Right. Um, once that fell through... <laughs> Um, there is nowhere to put it, and more recently, the NRC just arbitrarily decided now it's safe to store this, you know, as, as uh, one of the experts mentioned, uh, you know, to cram these pools to the gills with this highly radiated spent fuel uh, for the next 120 years. <laughs> they, they just decided that, that that'll be fine. 120 years. And and this is the same NRC and the same, by the way, Barack Obama administration, which has just approved two new, two new nuclear plants uh, in this country, correct? Correct. Uh, back to uh, Fukushima now and these uh, this precarious pool of spent nuclear rods uh, 100 feet in the air. Uh, the concern now that these experts have is that if another uh, earthquake and or tsunami hit, there is absolutely nothing to protect this uh, this pool of rods at this point. What is what is the cons- what are the possibilities of such an earthquake? And if it does happen, if something does happen to this uh, pool of uh, spent fuel, what happens then, Brad Jacobson? Well. This is the scariest scenario of them all, um, which, which, you know, it, even if just the spent fuel in the, in the reactor four, if reactor four goes, uh, that's a, a situation that is, is horrific in its own sake. But if, uh, if reactor four goes, the, the, the nightmare scenario is that it, it ignites, uh, the spent fuel in, and this is just the spent fuel, by the way. Mm-hmm. I didn't point this out in my article. 
I didn't have, you know, room to point out so many things right. in my article as long as it was. Um, you know, this is just we're talking about the spent fuel, not mm-hmm. the not the uh, radioactivity in the in the core, but just the spent fuel on the site at Fukushima. If if reactor four ignites, they're afraid that the rest of spent fuel and the other reactors would ignite, and the amount of spent fuel uh, that that the amount of cesium-137 that I mentioned before, mm-hmm. uh, deadly cesium-137, is, is 85 times the amount that was released at Chernobyl. And that is the, the nightmare scenario, which the New York Times reported back in February, mm-hmm. that the Japanese government was contemplating when they were contemplating uh, evacuating Tokyo. And that could happen in the event of another earthquake, and experts are looking at uh, earthquakes which have uh, since been occurring uh, around uh, uh, the Fukushima Daiichi plant, and they expect they may be hit again soon with another large uh, quake out there. This is a remarkable story. Uh, Brad Jacobson, I- I'd like to talk to you more about this in the future. I hope we can do that. In the meantime, check out Brad Jacobson's report at alternate.org. The worst yet to come, why nuclear experts are calling Fukushima a ticking time bomb. Thanks for scaring the hell out of me, Brad. <laughs> Sorry, but thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, thanks a bunch. Uh, really appreciate it. And, of course, uh, today the J- uh, Japanese government announced they will nationalize the Fukushima Daiichi plant. They will take it over to avert collapse of the Tokyo Electronic Power Company. What a mess. And yet we press on with nukes in this country. Crazy. Coming up next, by the way, stay tuned for John Wiener and the 4 o'clock report. He'll have news on demonstrations that will be taking place outside George Clooney's house tomorrow when Barack Obama is in town about foreclosures. Uh, Might as well uh, complain about the nuke plants while you're there. He'll also have news on the breaking good news that Obama is finally in, uh, in favor of marriage equality. My thanks to producer Desi Doyen today, uh, to uh, Super Duper associate producer Margo Paez, to our board op Darren Ford, to uh, our uh, helpful swinging hand here today, G. Uh, I'm Brad Friedman. I don't know if we're back next week or not. I think we've got a fundraiser. Hopefully I'm back soon. If not, you can find me at bradblog.com and on the Twitters at the Bradblog. <sighs> Good night, America.